Hello, and welcome to the Bliss Smith Podcast. My name is Katie Smith, and here you will learn ways to find, forge, and follow your bliss by hearing stories from people like you on overcoming obstacles, diving deeply into passion, investing in yourselves and others, and uniting in gratitude to celebrate every last joy. I can't wait for you to listen. Okay, we're recording. Hi, Hi Brittany. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm still in shock. You are? Yeah. Well, you can just let that wash over you and we'll get to business. All right. And because I'm so excited to talk to you, um, it's probably well overdue. Um, we've known each other for a a long time at this point. And, um, I'm really excited to hear or to have others hear our, our vibes. It's weird. I I read this little quote the other day that said, I think Justin posted it about, um, just because I haven't talked to you doesn't mean I'm not thinking about you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's just certain people. You're definitely one of them where it's like, I might see you post something or you might just cross my mind the one memory that I have that sticks out the most obviously is when you were a hype girl for one of our customers and I have yeah. the most funny video, but those little, little memories of positivity just kind of spark me now and then. And I know we don't connect a lot, but I do think about you often. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do as well. And that's like why you're here and just for context for folks. So Brittany and I both work work together in tech and, um, she is incredible at working with customers. And so we had a, essentially like a reward system where we promised our customers certain things when they came to an event of ours. And one of them was that you would get a personal hype woman for the day. And lo and behold, old Smitty was ready to party. Um, and so I, I really took it on. Like I showed up in a limo to greet him. Mm-hmm. And then the whole day I was truly just like dancing and like beatboxing, which I don't know how to do. And just like jumping all around. I was probably pretty exhausted by the end of the day, but I think he had a good time. He, he definitely had a good time because yeah. he was a little t- little sauced on stage, I think. <laughs> he did get sauced. So, and I wasn't, that wasn't part of my job. I didn't feed him any oh, alcohol. Yeah. So he did that on his own. Yeah, yeah, definitely on his own. Yeah. Well, yeah. So hype woman, I, and you know, I guess if people want to hire me, like I, you know, I'm happy to put on the old hype woman hat again and just see where it goes. You know, maybe it's a new career for me. And you made me really sore one day because you taught everyone at work, the Beyonce formation. Oh, I did, man. I danced in so long. And then I was so sore. <laughs> that was fun too. So yeah. Fun. What, like, this is, if anybody doesn't work in tech, like this is such a startup life conversation that we're having right now. Like. It's weird like, that none of that exists at all right now. I know it's, I f- feel very nostalgic about it and I'm excited to have it again in some fashion, although I'm, I've aged up a little bit. Yeah, and so we're out of it and I, I feel bad for younger people. Cause that's how so many people make, make friends or lovers. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so true. Yeah. It's a weird time. It's a weird time. Um, well, so tell me, so people now know that we met through work and that you're a tech lady queen, but there's so much more to you than that. And I would love for you to share. Hmm. This question's always really hard. Um, yeah. okay. So the current is, yes, I work in technology. Um, mostly was doing marketing my whole career, but then the last few years have switched over to fully focusing on film. So right now I'm on the film team at the company that I'm with. I don't even know if I can say the company, but it's a big tech company. It's big, it's massive. (laughs) Um, But also I have two kiddos and one of them was just born. He's a newbie. Noob. Crazy. Yeah. Um, We live in Bend, Oregon now. So we were part of the mass exodus of the Bay Area. Yep. But I'm an Oregon girl, so it was kind of like coming home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I like red wine a whole lot. I would say, I think the, another reason I was so shocked you asked me is because currently I feel extremely basic because my <laughs> life leggings and babies. Um, but I think, you know, outside of being a mom, which is obviously the most important part of my identity, my It'll be my life's greatest work. I, I know that. I also strive to be an entrepreneur and I love um, being outdoors and dancing, as you know. <laughs> yes. Um, and just exploring and adventuring. And I'm sad that travel is paused right now, but it comes at a probably a good time in our lives when we have little ones that can't be going everywhere anyway. So that's cool. Um, I also like to be, you know, an activist where I can and be involved where I can and stay alert to what's going on in the world and raise little people and have deep conversations with people in my life about everything around us. That's something I'm really passionate about. So it's a little bit about me, I guess. I also love interior design and we just purchased a home and we're renovating it and I'm doing design and I call myself the creative director of our family. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I <don't know> work. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I mean, that's a pretty good roster of things. I think you really, I mean, you're a fun gal. Thanks sister. Uh, the, the basic thing was funny. Cause I remember when you and I, or you had posted something on, on, Instagram, which we'll talk about probably a couple times, the, the, um, social medias, but you posted something like I'm doing my first outing free of kids. And it's, you know, really basic. Where am I going? And, and I thought I was clever, but turns out everyone on earth knew exactly where you were going and it was target and Starbucks. Yeah. It was Starbucks (laughs) in the target. Yeah. So much easier to get it done. Yeah. And I was so sad because it was right before Easter. And I'm like, I'm not even doing anything for myself. This is all for my kids to get them Easter stuff. I didn't even buy myself anything. And it was just felt felt basic. But also it's just this you feel drunk the first time you leave the house and you have a newborn because you're so sleep deprived and you haven't like been out in the world and you're by yourself. Not only are you by yourself, you've had a human in you for nine months. So you haven't right. really flown a long time. Freaking weird. So Target's a nice, nice, safe place to start. Yeah. <laughs> Target is safe. It is like home. <laughs> really? Sadly. Target, no. sponsor me. Target, sponsor. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. I'll wear whatever you want. I'll have whatever furniture you want. Just like do everything. Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. Um, okay. Well, let's keep the, the mommy ball rolling. So, um, we're going to talk a lot about being a mommy. I think that it hit me lately. I've have so many, um, friends who are either pregnant or have just recently given birth. I myself am on a journey of family planning. And so, um, mommy vibes are hitting me really hard. And what I've what I'm learning, especially being close to people who are going through these things and going through some myself is there's so much to it and no one's really fully comfortable about talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I shouldn't say no one, cause I think you do a great job of that, but it's like, man, I wish, I wish we could all just talk about it more. So we don't feel so alone. Um, and so that's why one of the reasons I'm really excited to talk to you is I, you do a good job of letting other mommies feel like they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're talking about mommy stuff today. Um, and so, yeah, I, I coining the term your mommy realness is what I really admire about you. And so, yeah, you mentioned you had your second son Beckham mm-hmm. in a pandemic. Yeah. So let's start there. Like, what was that? What was going on? How did that feel? What was it like? Well, when you said that people don't talk about it, the thing that kind of struck me, I always, always say that motherhood is the most crowded, but the most isolating experience. It's so bizarre. And then you pile on pandemic. And I think for me, honestly, I feel really lucky because I didn't have my first during the pandemic. So every time I had like a micro complaint, I would just think, okay, but I have friends who are having their first and they aren't getting their baby shower. They, um, pushing with a mask. They can't have visitors. Potentially grandma and grandpa can't meet the baby for the first time. They potentially don't have help. So every time I said I had a micro complaint, I would just be so grateful, um, that I, uh, went through my experience without my first experience though, was really hard. I had a, traumatic, traumatic experience and, you know, didn't have maybe the help that I needed. So the second go around, there was a lot more help involved to protect mental health. That was really important to me. Um, and so for the, the pandemic didn't really feel it, it, sure it's isolating, but I think we took it in stride mm-hmm. and I'm just one of those people that I wake up every morning and I would much rather count all my blessings and all my subtractions, I guess. So I just didn't let it get to me, but I think about a lot of my friends who had their first and how hard it was for them. And I think my heart goes out more to them than any sort of complaint myself. Um, the biggest difference was that Kyle couldn't go to appointments with me. So it was very much right. on, but when you become a mom, <clears throat> you have so many moments alone, especially if you choose to breastfeed, you're up all night by yourself. So it's already isolating. So I kind of already <laughs> had that callus built up to be a, a little bit alone and just kind of take it on. And you know, that it's super temporary and it's going to, mm-hmm. so yeah, you don't have too many complaints, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you are a very positive person and you and I've connected and maybe we'll talk about it later. I, you're so good at being positive. And I have the same challenge where I actually like probably shove down and shove out some like actual real 
negative feelings I'm feeling. Cause I'm like, Oh, it could be worse. You know, that whole spiel. So maybe we'll dig into that. We'll see how much the wine sits in our belly, um, to, to really get into that. But, um, and yeah. then, yeah, I say off that, um, we hired a postpartum doula, which I definitely recommend for everyone. And that mean, uh, the reason we did that was because of my first experience, but she said to me during our consultation, I, I said the same thing I just said to you about, oh, I just think about these other moms and my friends and their first experience and da, da, da. And she, she's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to hear about them. I want to hear about you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she really kind of had to help me unpack how I was feeling. But I think my philosophy in life is, is that, I mean, sh- sure, you can have your own stuff you're going through and you can absolutely vocalize that. But it's, there's so much other, there's so many other areas or other people to like leave your heart with that when it comes to all the privilege and all the blessings that you have in your own life, to me, it's almost like not worth talking about. So what you're saying, Oh, you just push things out. I think sometimes when you start counting all your blessings, it's like, I don't know, part of it's just like buck up. That's how I feel about it. Just keep going and be that positive person that people want to have in their lives and, and help motivate them to get through hard times. That's something I really want to be there for my friends and family for. Yeah. And I think having that perspective allows for more and more people to connect to you because you're not ignorant to the fact that there aren't a million ways you can slice any one situation. You're like, here is mine. Wasn't perfect, but I'm aware that others weren't perfect in other ways. So I'm going to, you know, keep chugging forward and be, be grateful, choose to be grateful. There's no such thing as a flawless birth that without a scare, even if it's a small mm-hmm. scare on the, on the, on the scary scale. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you realize that and you've been through it, you kind of, you think like, well, I know she's been through something. I know she's been through something. I know they've been through something as a couple because you're seeing maybe their, um, their path to conceive was really hard or impossible. Um, there's a lot that goes into creating a family. It's funny. We like try our whole lives not to get pregnant. And yeah. then I get pregnant. We can't. Um, <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Hits real hard. Yep. Yeah. So I think when you, when you start looking at other people through that lens of, you don't know what they're going through, which is why like, you should never ask someone, are you going to have kids or even a second or just the questions are so not okay. Yeah. Because you don't know the pain behind the journey or the loss or the impossibleness or just whatever it is. So, oh yeah, it's a, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy topic, but I think knowing and seeing that in other women, other couples, it it just sort of gives you this, like, it allows you to breathe and realize that we're all in it together, even if it feels really isolating at times. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then so, you know, that's having a newborn in a pandemic. And then you're also, meanwhile, or, you know, prior to that, a pregnant working mom with a toddler. Yeah. That was a shit show. I want to know that. <laughs> yeah. I, perfect. <laughs> that zero sugar coating allowed here. Um, so yeah, exactly. And I can only, um, relate with my experiences with my coworkers who are experienced it. And I would agree. Like there, I wish that I could just hug all of the working moms 
that work at like work with me, for example, so much so often because I can't like what what's happening? What's the shit show about? How- it, it was just like being in San Francisco was the worst part of it because we were eight floors up in a sky rise, you know, in like the cement part of the city. I call it you just everywhere you look is cement. Mm-hmm. Okay. We get nature locked up in here. Um, and, you know, not having a yard or just any outdoor space was really mm-hmm. hard. And there were so many, so many frustrating days where we would both be on Zoom calls for what seemed like endless hours. And Jack would be basically raising himself. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's so independent. He was kind of born that way, thankfully, um, because I know a lot of other parents that don't necessarily have independent kiddos or this is another thing I would always say to myself, as hard as it was, I don't have a kid with special needs. I don't have a kid that's um, not independent. Um, I don't have multiples right now. There's so many things I would tell myself to keep, and our, as a couple, to keep, keep ourselves going. Um, but it was really heartbreaking to watch, uh, you know, us both kind of snap and say, I've got a call. Here's the iPad. <laughs> right. Um, I think the first week of pandemic, the first couple of weeks, everyone was kind of laughing. Like we would, you know, with or without kids, it's like, uh, you know, six days, no pants. Ha ha. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's quarantine. There were so many little jokes. Yeah. Um, and and then another thing that kind of happened the first two weeks was all of these old kind of learning tools uh, were, were pushing at home learning with kids. And I think a lot of parents felt like, oh, I can do this. Like I can carve out time every day on top of feeding them, cleaning the house, taking a nap, feeding myself, getting outside, blah, 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 all the things. Yeah. Um, and that just went through the shitter pretty quickly. Yeah. That was- really hard to keep up with. And for me, what it took was changing teams at, at work, um, changing bosses, changing everything. I, I took two weeks off. I took a mental health break. I said, time out tomorrow. I'm gone for two weeks. There was not really much of a warning because I was just so overwhelmed. And, and I called HR to kind of get their advice. And, and they said, you would not believe how many moms have called us with the same yeah. kind of thing. So again, didn't know who they were. I mean, 140,000 people in our company huh. don't know who they are, but I didn't feel alone when I heard that. Yeah. Great. So do I have job protection? They said, absolutely. Especially during COVID. Take it. I took the two weeks. I thought about what wasn't working and I just immediately switched teams. And then I found a team that was more supportive. Um, and it was just a night and day difference. So that yeah. was great. And then I got pregnant and then it was like, I'm tired, <laughs> but it was fine. Well, I, I can't even imagine like, you know, the pandemic roller coaster of mental health for a person with zero children is a lot, you know, and I've definitely like taken day naps. Cause I'm like, I actually just can't be awake. I'm just, I don't want to deal with things. Yeah. And so to have like a little mouth to feed and entertain is just, it's honestly unbelievable. Like the strength that you and so many are demonstrating is it's too much. The thing is though, is, is your kid isn't the hard part. It's everything else. Like, so for example, I was on a call and and a new guy joined the team. He immediately apologized because his daughter came in and I was like, don't say sorry. Never to me. Yeah. We should only be apologizing to our children right now. 
that's it. Because none of these companies are doing anything to support any of us. <laughs> we're just expected to show up and do the same shit we were doing when we we're in the office and crushing it. Yeah. Or more, <laughs> right? Because you're there's more, more of a captive audience. 100%. And so he's he like later, I heard him teach another new person that, uh, which was cool, like six months later. And I think, yes, it's it, it of course it's hard and it's harder on different people. But for me, Jack is like the entire reason for living. And so he's been this beautiful distraction from everything that's been terribly wrong the last one to four years. <laughs> um, and I, I would never like ever take it out, out on him or think anything like he, he is just this little innocent soul and it's not, you know, none of it's his, his fault, of course. And so he was honestly a reprieve for me. Mm-hmm many times during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard also, this was from a friend prior to the pandemic, but it was something just really shitty with the United States or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I asked her, like, I feel so shooken up by whatever it was. It it was pre-pandemic. Um, but and I was like, how do you feel with children? You know, like that's scary to raise a child in whatever mm-hmm. it was. And she was like, my child gives me hope for a better future. And I was like, girl, that's deep. But yeah. I do think that that feels right. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause there's a lot of people that would say like, we're overpopulated, stop having kids, but our generation has to have kids and fix things. <laughs> <laughs> like if you look at the generation below us, like the, what are they? Gen Z, the kids, oh, one of got, the letters. Yeah. The kids that have gone through just like the, the par, par, was it Parkland high school or the high school in Florida, the terrible mm. shoot. Like look, look at what those kids have done. They've just taken it and run with it and become activists. And I think, I think back to when I was in high school, I thought of a horror story to tell you too, by the way, it's on this topic, but um, I think back to when I was in high school and I just think I can't speak for our whole generation, but it just seemed a lot more self-absorbed than, than the, the kids now. And then I think about my kids and now we're like way more gender fluid than we've ever been. We, um, we don't use the word tolerance, you know, anymore. Like, I think we were kind of raised on that. Like, Oh, we know, tolerate your neighbor. That's different. It's like tolerance. Right. Is <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and like privilege was never a conversation yeah. Um, police brutality was never a conversation when I was growing up. Like there's just so many things that are like, they're just different. They're more out there. I think social media has kind of just tons of bad stuff about social, but there's also great stuff. It's opened up so much. I learn, I can learn things real quickly Yep. from, from people. And the when I look at my kids, I think that's why this is going to be my life's greatest work because I want to pour whatever I can into them and help them become, um, attuned to what's going on with them, basically force them to be some sort of activist or use their abundance, um, to give back to those that mm-hmm. don't it almost as a requirement. I mean, think about, I didn't grow up going to church, but you know, churchgoers for, for a long time have been giving part of their money to the back of the church, right? It's just like mm-hmm. a normal, normal thing. Like, I don't really know why that's not, you know, no- normal in like our more democratic, like de- democrat community, it, like an open conversation about a percentage of your paycheck going back 
towards X, Y, and Z. Like when my kid starts mowing lawns and making money, we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because I think it, it can start early and that, that to what your, your friend said, that's what gives me hope is that we are more awake to the issues. And so we can raise the generation to just do better. I mean, it's, it's basic Darwinism, honestly, you just, you expect every generation to be better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that maybe we can break the mold and get them paying more attention to social issues and environmental issues and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Creating a full reality from the moment they're born to say, you know, this is what things can be. And these people are actually not different than you. They are of the same heart and, you know, all of these things. And, you know, if you have privilege, you got to stick up for those that don't and, you know, all, all of those things. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, even during, I would say like last, was it early summer or late spring? Like when black, black lives matter really ramped up again after George Floyd. Um, I called one of my girlfriends and she's got, um, she's got two boys and a girl and they're, she's like Jewish, Italian, her husband's black. And I asked her, how are you, how are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. And she, she was like, I, I'm just so grateful that you reached out because no, like some of our best friends haven't even asked me that. And I'm raising two black boys after this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for her, they're, they're pretty little. So she tries to keep them away from anything that could create trauma. And she taught me something really powerful. She said, I have to keep them little as long as I can, because as soon as they look like a boy, they're going to be treated like a man. Mm. Right. But she said, one of the most, the best things you can do is raise your boys, um, to stick up for my boys. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's something we try to keep going in our house and figure out how to talk about things openly and make sure, um, you know, Jack is around lots of different types of people and is comfortable asking questions. And a lot of that comes down to the books we buy, the schools we go to, the playgrounds we go to, the friends we keep. Um, it's just being really mindful and intentional about those types of things so that he can, he can do better for everyone too. Yeah. And I was going to say, Lord help them. Cause uh, the generations prior have really handed them a plate of turds. If oh. I may, <laughs> like yeah. what, and, and I, you know, like with the environment, for example, I do think you're right though. We're also handing, handing them a world where we do see more people with awareness and um, more acceptance of who we really are and more role models um, yeah. and, and more voices being um, highlighted. So it's not an entire plate of shit, but it, um, you know, so I think a lot of things are going in the right direction, but it's and a, it's yeah. a heavy lift. It's a heavy lift. I mean, I think about just all the, the white women that <laughs> voted for you know who, um, thou shall not be named Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) it's that's disappointing too. I mean, I get it They They see the world differently, but what, what you and I are saying, like, Oh, we have all this hope. It's like, well, are we just hopeful in our bubble? Yeah. So much more out there. I mean, even just moving back to Oregon bend is, is very uh, progressive, pretty progressive, I should say. Um, but you drive one mile outside the radius and it is red country. Yep. 
So I don't know if that's kind of similar up there as well. You see a lot, a lot more, but it's good. It's good for us. Like more people pandemic move, move out of your bubble, like get somewhere new and experience something different and have a different conversation and try to understand where people are coming from. Um, it's, it's healthy. I think if we would have just stayed in San Francisco our whole lives, I don't, um, the bubble might've just got thicker and bigger. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like it made living in any bubble, it makes you forget that there are actually really crazy issues and yep. large disagreements. And so I agree. I think being able to like pop the bubble and have conversations and mm-hmm. learn and, you know, try to reconcile point of views is, is so much better than just, I mean, it's almost ignorance is bliss. Like, yeah, I, you know, was surrounded by only people who think thunk thought yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of those, um, they thunk, just kidding. they thought, uh, and voted similar to me or the same. And so it's like, well, I got to learn what's going on and yeah. And represent or, and, and figure out how to meet, meet somewhere and inspire each other to think about just the future. Yeah. And in, in the vein of parenting, cause I know we're kind of like going everywhere right now, but we had a really serious conversation about if we stayed in San Francisco, what would that look like as far as raising kids? And this is a good example of my little bubble getting popped because I, I always knew that there, there, you and I both know there's a lot of sexism in Silicon Valley. Mm. No one talks about it. There's also a ton of racism. Some of the most racist things I've ever heard in my life have come from people I work with in Silicon Valley. And we would talk about raising our kids there all the time. And it's like, it was tricky because you think, well, your, your incomes are a little higher there. So you already have the like financial privilege and you have skin color privilege. And is it really that progressive here when you hear these kind of things being said in the workplace or done in the workplace? And then I think, um, you know, the, the recent attack on Asian Americans in our country just showed the world that Silicon Valley is not perfect because you were hearing about kids getting on buses and slapping um, older Asian Americans. And it's like, these are kids being raised there, which is what we were talking about doing in this like utopia kind of vision, but it's not like that. There's Mm -hmm. racism everywhere, even in the most quote unquote woke places in our country with lots of money. I mean, you and I know how much these tech companies pay in PR um, to make the right move, to position themselves, um, in a certain way or a certain light. And a lot of that, a lot of that wokeness can be bought, but I've heard some really nasty things said, um, from people in, in tech and we've probably both been treated ways, even if it's like those kind of microaggressions, um, I'm sure we've both experienced stuff like that. And so, uh, for me, raising a kid there wasn't, um, it just wasn't the move. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the move. And I hope that here they'll be more exposed to both sides and all sides. Yeah. 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 The, um, being a woman in tech is, is certainly so multifaceted. And, you know, I think there are days when I'm like, yeah, I feel like uh, the same as everybody else. And then there are days where I'm like, Oh, okay. This is different. 
you know, and one of the things that I really try to um, practice and highlight for women is um, there's a, there's this like buildup over time of men feeling secure and asking for what they want and what they need, be it salary or a project to work on or um, a, a promotion um, exposure. And it, the women, women have not had the same Mm -hmm. you know, path to do that. And I find still, I've been working for a hot minute and I still, you know, find times where I stutter over what I want and need, um, because I, it has never felt safe to do that. It was like, oh, this is giving me goosebumps. Cause this is like, exactly. I'm so passionate about this subject because we talk about it in our house all the time. And so much of it is biology. This is what I've concluded because if women are supposed to have the kids and raise the kids, I will, I don't, I don't even want to say what company was that. Okay. But a company I worked for one of our top executives said, I don't know why women have babies and come back to work. They should just go have their kids and leave. So if that person at the very top of that company is saying that, and that's the, yep. there's going to be a trickle down. Yeah. Um, and it, and, and I read an article where they're kind of comparing Silicon Valley to Hollywood. And they said like, you know, in Hollywood, women are aged up by 30, which is, ugh. Yikes. In Silicon Valley, it's 35. And if you think about 35, it's like, well, that's when your doctor starts referring to you as advanced maternal age, which I experienced in this last pregnancy. <laughs> or geriatric. Yeah, thankfully. I hope they don't say that anymore. Oh. Um, but, so when you think about that, like all coming to ahead at the same time, you're you're like getting timed out um, because of biology. And so when we don't ask for things at work, it's almost like, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Like, Oh, well, I'm just grateful to be here. Cause I'm pregnant mm. Push me aside. Like now I'm just grateful to be here. Cause I'm 35 and a mom of two. And it's so fucked up because there's also times where I look at my team and I think I did all the work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Women do all the work. <laughs> We work our butts <laughs> off. That is for sure. We do. And like, said, you know, we have the kids and we get back to business. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think about, yeah. And the playing field isn't level. Like I, I went through a really, really challenging project, you know, working into the weekends, working late nights, I'm friggin' exhausted. And my counterpart was seven months pregnant. And I'm like, whoa, she, you know, so her and I are jamming. I can't even imagine what she's going through and she's carrying a human in yeah. her and That's going through all of the things, you know, I love working with women though. Cause even women mm -hmm. don't have kids yet, like you, you're, you're thinking about it. So you're at least conscious. Yeah. And I bought an SUV and everything. I'm ready. You're ready. You're totally yeah. ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think most women are conscious at least of, um, the balance and we'll cover for each other at dirt at certain times. Not to say that all men aren't, aren't like that. Cause I've definitely worked with, with men that are very supportive, but I also oh. work with guys that say, enjoy your break when you're going on maternity leave. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Trust me, this is a hundred times easier. Yeah. <laughs> your kids all day. Well, and I, I've heard of women say, enjoy your break too, which is not cute. Not a good look for women supporting women. No, it's not a break. Um, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I guess technically it's a break from work, but it's, you're just going to another job that happens to be 24 seven. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to go home or go to happy hour afterwards. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it, I actually, there was an older guy at work that, that said that, and I, I called him and I'm like, homie, it's on break. We can't say that kind of thing. He also had said something about, there was a woman that got laid off and I would, I would assume she was making upwards of 200,000 based on her, her title. And when she got laid off, they said it's the team. And his response was, she'll be okay. Her husband works. And it just, it ate away at me. Like, I called him and I said, I, I get in essence what you were saying. Like you were saying, she's going to be okay. But you also completely minimized her contribution to not only our workplace, but her financial contribution to her home, like based on her age and her title, assuming she's making upwards of 200,000, let's just say, she also has a lifestyle to keep up with. She might have kids she's putting through college. We just don't know. She doesn't have, she's not like selling seashells by the seashore. Right. Right. (laughs) She has a significant position. She might even make more than her husband. We don't know. But saying those types of things in the workplace, it just further minimizes women every single time. If a man lost his job, no one would say it's okay. His wife works. Never would that be said. No, ever, ever, ever. (laughs) Whoa. I feel like I have deja vu right now because I've definitely thought about this. That was, that's crazy. A deja vu moment on the old, the podcast. Because it's real. These things are said. This is what I'm talking about when I say like micro microaggressions or like these like micro things. It's like small paper cuts. Yeah. Right. And you know, we, I, I only, I, well, no, I don't only, I say this because I know you and I've connected on it. We experience these as women and we have to call out the additional microaggressions that happen to people of color. Yeah. Um, I think about that a lot with like motherhood too. It's, you know, there's a lot of science around, um, you know, women of color not getting equal treatment in healthcare and having to, oh, just the, the birth rates and, or the, the death at, at birth rates and mm-hmm. everything. they're just so shocking. And that's something that once I'm out of this kind of cloud, I want to try to get back into learning more about and being more active in, um, cause it's just, I mean, I know based on how I was treated, especially my first time, second time was great. First time, freaking terrible. Um, <laughs> and, you know, then add on being a woman of color, how different I, I probably would have been left to die in that situation because I was. <laughs> so it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly infuriating that there's so many things like that. That should be a simple thing. I mean, <laughs> a simple equal, you know, equality, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. It, it just, it, I guess it blows my mind. I can't even think of the word because my mind yeah. is blown. People getting blown up. I, actually, I was watching. I was watching The Good Doctor. I don't know if you've seen this show, but it's about um, this doctor that has. He's he's autistic, but he's also a savant. So he he's a surgeon. And there was um, the African American character. That's one of the main characters. She was. She was like basically discriminated against a black patient. So it was like a big deal in the hospital. And, you know, just watching that episode thinking that how easy, how easily it happens. Basically this woman came in and she had a, you know, had an issue and it was dismissed. 
So it's like from the get-go, like check in and you're dismissed based on what you look like, you yes. know? And it's yep. just, but yeah. And then you go down the rabbit hole of like becoming pregnant and giving birth. Like how many things are, are dismissed if you're not constantly, not only do you have to advocate yourself no matter what your background is, but then, you know, you have all these kind of, these, these prejudiced, prejudiced people or whatever in the, in the hospital and your doctors are, are usually strangers. Your nurses are strangers. When you go in, it's weird. You like spend your whole pregnancy with the same OB and you show up and everybody's a stranger. It's super that weird. is wild. And then if you're in, yeah. in the hospital for more than a day, the shift changes and you're like, Oh yeah. Welcome to the party. Don't yeah. know you. Here's my newborn. Here's my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> meet my vag. Yeah. They meet that way more than they meet your baby. <laughs> <laughs> at it's, least a two to one ratio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I mean, you and I talked about this on the phone the other day too, but it's just like, you know, we, we both kind of have that thing where we're like, how do we use our privilege for, for good? And it's like all these like little life experiences. And as women, I feel like we, at least, even if we are white women, we do recognize, um, inequality and, but as white women, we have to use that privilege to then support, the sisters in our community that are of color. And it's like, I mean, you introduced me to the, um, the therapy group that helps black women. Oh, the, the Loveland foundation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Donating there. So that's, you know, one place that if anyone's listening and they're interested, they can go donate to, but it's just becoming more conscious of that. And then passing that on to our kids. Yep. Yeah. They're like our mini, mini, uh, soldiers into the future. So yes, such a good way of saying it. They really are because when we pass, that's what we want. We want them to say, well, my mom taught me this or my grandma taught me this. I mean, that's the beauty of like, I guess we, we've become less of a village when it comes to raising kids. But if collectively, like you and I keep having these conversations and then as, as you become a mama and then other moms, if we keep pushing each other to say like, this is how we should be raising kids, especially white boys. Um, then one day they'll say those things like, Oh, my grandma, you know, like mm-hmm. they'll to us. Like my grandma taught me to send 8% of my paycheck to X, Y, and Z or, you know, those yeah. type of things. That's, that's what I really hope. I hope it's not like my cookie recipe. Cause that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Please be my level of advocacy for others and not my chocolate chip cookie recipe. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish that I was like, they could be like, grandma taught me how to change a tire, but there's AAA for that. So it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be activism, not tires. I'm not trying to change a tire. That will not be part of my legacy. (laughs) Nope. Already decided. It's good. Amazing. This is great. I'm really looking forward to folks hearing, you know, just how we're talking through things. I think that so much of this is unspoken and we forget how, how much is going on, you know, like even if, you know, from the outside, it's like great life, great job, great kids, great this. It's like, nah, like there's more than anything. I like, I know it's a compliment when people say they like, they they'll say things to me, like, um, there's this one friend I have, 
I love her. God bless her. But she always says like, your life is so perfect. And she told me this a couple years ago that she made this calendar of all the things that she wants to do. And she like modeled it based off things I've done. Oh yeah. And I thought that first of all, biggest compliment for sure. But I was like, girl, if you think my life is perfect, um, it's not. And no, no one's is. And what you see on the gram, on the gram, it's not always true. And you and I talked about this the other day. It's like, I'll go through days where I'm like posting, posting, happy, happy. And then I'll be like, I don't feel like this version of myself today. It's not that I don't want people to see it. I'm not ashamed of that at all, but whatever I can place, like whatever I put out there is just not, I don't want to, I don't want, how do I say it? I don't want, it's not that I care. I don't want people to think that my life is perfect, but why do we go on Instagram? It's to be, it's to like aspire to be something or aspire to do something. Like I want to see a DIY project. So I go on there and I figure it out or like whatever, maybe younger girls go on there for fashion. I would care less, but there's certain, you know, aspirational things or maybe we're just sharing funny things or sometimes it's political things or just kid things. And, and then the days where I'm just not feeling it, I'm like, there's nothing I can say that's aspirational today. Today's for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think like I have to show up every day. Yeah. It's such a conundrum because I think that, and you have, I don't think you give yourself full credit because you have been raw on Instagram. I've seen it. And, um, but it's such a conundrum because we, we do want to share those happy moments because those are the moments that are, you want to, you want your friends and family to see. Yeah. And it's creating such a false reality for everyone And so it's like, gosh, if we could all just add in a little more rawness to what we're sharing, how, how welcoming that might be to someone who's going through something that said, I don't want to see, you know, I I don't know if I want to see it or if I could even like absorb it. If people were more raw, I don't know. Like, I I don't, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the pandemic has, at least for me, I give less of a shit about a whole lot of stuff like consumerism. Um, like I don't want to say fashion because I've never been like, like fashion to me feels expensive, like style, let's say. Yeah. Um, I, if I see a filter, like a, like someone's contorted their body, like I can see that they've done that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Bullshit. nah. Yeah. <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is there nah. a dislike button on this thing? Yeah. I saw this on Twitter the other day. Someone said, um, it was like a picture of one of the Kardashians and someone wrote, a young woman wrote, wow, I wish I could look like this. And I was real happy at all the responses that were like, you are beautiful. What you're seeing mm-hmm. is Photoshopped, not to take away from that Kardashian, but that is Photoshopped. Um, like, don't, don't compare yourself. There's just no point. And I think that's sort of something that happens when you turn 30, you just really stop comparing yourself or like giving a shit about what people think of you or like, it's real nice. It's really nice. I've arrived. Yeah. It feels really good and just gets better every year. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it was really cool to see people saying that because I don't know pre-pandemic that would have been the response. Cause I I used to see people say like, yeah, if you lost 10 pounds, you look like her, you know, trolling but it was like men and women, like lifting this young woman up and telling her, no, that is so Photoshopped. Like we're over that. Yeah. I don't mind filters. I don't mind a little 
you know, better lighting. I get all of that, right? We want to put ourselves up. It's just like, you know, for decades, people are getting family photos done. It's not like you don't, you know, your family photo back, but your, your silly canvas picture, yeah. it's not, not going to be touched up. It's just, um, we don't need you to like trim your waist and yeah. do all these things that don't look like who you actually are. Yeah. And I, I think I feel, I, I obviously can't speak for everyone, but I feel more comfortable and like that I can relate to someone who's just real. Oh, yeah. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want to see all that. It's, it's, we mm-hmm. know it's not real. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. Sometimes I would appreciate those pictures and now I'm like, I don't have time. <laughs> I know. I actually almost posted, maybe I still will. So I made Chris um, dinner the other night and I really pulled out all the stops. I made like, um, uh, artichokes, which like who makes an artichoke, Mm -hmm. um, steak, um, something else really sexy took Mm -hmm. a like very Instagrammable picture and I didn't post it. Um, one, cause I actually, I don't know why I didn't post it, but it, the, the picture was like stunning. I was like, everybody is trying to marry me right now with how great this picture is. Listen, the artichokes were undercooked. The steak was also undercooked. Um, the appetizer was whatever. And I think that's what this Dude, is all is so deep. It is because it's like so the many of us are not cooked. My body is not cooked. Motherhood is not cooked. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's the title of my book. This isn't cooked y'all. Not cooked. Um, but I sure. And it's just like fake bill. It is. And I almost, and I almost did post it because I was like, I'm so proud of how this, the spread and we had like a real napkins, yeah. you know, and it was like, but this is not then, you know, I snapped the picture. We took one bite and we're like, shit, I got to cook this some more. That's <laughs> but I also really appreciate photography. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, I think maybe I hope you agree. I want to challenge anybody listening to just be like a half turn more real yeah. on your Instagram and on your social media and just like be you. Cause like I read one thing about, you know, be you. Cause that's, um, I'm going to butcher the shit out of it, but like be you because the person who's looking for you might miss you if you're not mm-hmm. something yeah. like that. And it's like, Whoa, you said to me, like, be yourself. There's only one of you. It's like, oh, shoot. I know. True. Well, good. Casey. I got quotes out the wazoo. No, Speaking but, of quotes. Yes. Um, well, it's not a quote, but it's like a theory that you brought to my attention and it actually stopped me in my track. So I want to make sure we have time for that. It's perfect with Instagram. But the um, the looking glass theory, is that yeah. what it's called? Glass self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So tell me, tell me about it. I've also got it pulled up so we can fill any you know? Yeah. It's really good. So there's basically four, there's a, imagine a window pane, classic window pane, four windows separated by two lines. So the first window is a window of who you are perceived to be, how others see you. Mm -hmm. Second window is a window of how you want to be perceived. The third window is how you are, um, actually perceived 
I think I might be getting this a little bit wrong because I've been drinking wine. And the fourth window is, I know I said it perfectly to you on the phone the other day. <laughs> you did. The fourth window is who you actually are. Um, let me rephrase that. Window one, who people, how people see you. Window two, how you want to be seen. Be seen. Window three, how you are actually seen. Window four is who you actually are. So there's just all these different ways and lenses. And what I get real tripped up is when I try to take any of those personality tests, mm. um, like your Enneagram or something, you're like, wait, 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 wait. I want to be seen as powerful, but am I powerful? I want to. Mm. Yeah. Those tests just seem like bullshit to me because of it. Supposedly there's enough science that they can cut through it, but I just don't believe it. I think it's just too complicated. Yeah. It, it, and I overthink all of those things too. Wait, why did it, why did it blow you up? Oh, okay. Thank you. So, because one of the pieces that I read is that what happens is we create our own self perception mm-hmm. based on what we think mm-hmm. other people think about us. Well, yes. So I'll give an example. Cause this is like mother F. So, um, uh, I'll give a boss example, right? So I had a new boss start. And so she asked me for a deliverable. I, and like the way she asked it was like, I need it right now. And so I perceived by how she asked it that I had done something wrong. And so I'm like, oh shit. And so I like type up everything, get it over to her. And so then I create this story that she thinks that I do things wrong yeah. because I created how I think she perceived me based on her asking me for something. And that gets so dangerous because now I'm creating all these stories about how people think about me. And I'm creating that as actual truth versus my own friggin' truth about who I am. That's what makes social media a mess. Messy. Like I have this really like cute friend from she's younger, but she's adorable. And, um, we grew up in the same town and she like said to me, Oh, I just don't know if I should put that on, on Instagram. I'm like, girl, you are so interesting. Put it up there. But it's just that, that question we all have. Um, and we have it at work and we have it in our relationships. And I think it's one thing I envy about men is that I don't think they have quite so many windows as we have. Mm. <laughs> um, they are a little bit more blunt in their communication. I shouldn't say this about all men, but I can definitely speak for my husband and my brothers. They just kind of like are a little bit more brute about, about communication and they don't quite um, ruminate on so many things like we do. But I also feel like that's what makes women so amazing because we are more of a collective community driven gender. And we think about these things because we're not only protecting ourselves, we're protecting others. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, again, biology, it's all interesting because men in the beginning were just like hunt and kill and yep. procreate. That's it. Their lives were very simple. <laughs> they still are. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So they didn't have a lot of time to sit, but we were all intense together, like either menstruating together or having babies together, or like we we're all supporting each other. So we had to think about, um, why is that woman's baby crying? Mm. Um, why is that woman going through X, Y, and Z? Why am I this way? There's all these different, you were just thinking about everyone at the same time because it was survival. And so I think that's still in a lot of us a lot. And I know you and I are kind of similar where 
we want people to like us. Totally. There's so much projection there. Yeah. It's also a really beautiful quality because I feel like it makes us better peacekeepers and helps us be more community driven. And I feel bad because there's tons of amazing men that think that same way. So I don't mean to like put us into two gender boxes when there's really like 56 genders, but like, it's just, um, when you break it down to, to biology, I think that explains somewhat, and at least this is what we talk about in our house a lot, the reason we act the way we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I'm the ultimate people pleaser diplomat. Um, and it's, you're right. It, there are pros and cons. It means that I'm an excellent peacekeeper, but it can come to at a cost because I'm not always pleasing myself, which is like, Right. A whole other podcast. Yeah. Totally. You have to. I mean, that's a big thing in in motherhood too. Like slam back is that there's all this like talk about self-care. And one of my girlfriends, Ashley, she's like, self-care is not a shower. Mm. Oh, that's good. Right. Because I think the first time I had a kid that was self-care. Right. She's like, that's not self-care. That's like your basic human right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sort of was born out of the pandemic as well, because people were like, oh, I've worked so hard. I haven't even showered. It's like, that's not, don't get a trophy for that. And it won't go on your headstone and it will not be said at your funeral. Yeah. Sorry. And if someone says that your funeral, they're the only other person there. Cause you have literally cut everyone else out of your life. Cause you smell so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you don't have balance. And so, and I don't even know if I believe in the word balance anymore, but everyone deserves a shower is my point. <laughs> it's not yes. self-care. It's just basic. Um, this is important to share. I, uh, we were in the town where Shakespeare was born. It's in England. It's Stratford upon the Avon. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you've been there. So yes. we did the bus tour and they were talking about the amount of shower. I get it. Technology. Okay. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> but the amount of times these people bathed was like, not okay. And you're right. Like they were speaking of isolating, they probably were not hanging out with each other much, or they just were like, their nose was just numb to the whole situation. We're talking like baths once in six months or something. Ooh. I don't know. Google I mean, it. But shampoo. that gets me cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Hey, it doesn't have to be a daily occurrence, but like, let's yeah. get Pat, like no Shakespeare shit. Like, please. I just think people were like, I'm working so hard that I don't have to shower or eat. Like someone's like, oh, I lost 15 pounds during the pandemic because I just refused. I like couldn't eat. I was working so hard. It's like, cool. <laughs> I've, I've never couldn't eat. <laughs> That's never been a challenge. Shows up. Dude, yeah. we'll arrive to my mouth. <laughs> oh yeah. Happy, sad, stressed. All, all room for some celebratory eating in my opinion. Like, good for you. She's like, I haven't eaten in three days. I barely have time to, I, I'm so dehydrated that I don't even have to pee anymore. And I haven't showered. I'm like, this is not something to brag about. You smell and, and I'm you're, like, hungry. you're hungry. You're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> I, yeah. You're not fun to be around. No. <laughs> Take yeah, time. It, I'm a pleasure to be around because I'm always well-fed. This is literally why we hired a postpartum doula also was because my first, I just, I thought, oh, if I knuckle grind this whole thing, I'm a hero. Mm-hmm. So that is not, you do not get a trophy for knuckle grinding in parenthood. You have to ask for help. 
Yes. In Sweden, the government pays for postpartum duels to show up the first 10 days after birth. They come and take care of you. That's on top of like whoever else you have, like a sister or mom, whatever. Well, maybe mm-hmm. Here, it's not even a thing. Thankfully, mm-hmm. my doula is writing a book and like pushing for some reform. That's cool. It'll probably take two more generations to pass, but <laughs> it's hopeful. And uh, yeah, and just having her because they really focus on helping mom heal because no one ever thinks about that. They're like, oh, the baby's here. So story's over. But you have a good like six weeks left to bleed. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you're trying to figure out breastfeeding if you choose to do that. I always like to say that if you choose to do it because not everyone chooses to breastfeed. And when we talk about it, we shouldn't make other women feel judged if they don't. Mm-hmm. Fed is best, but that's a shit show too. Like, even if you choose to go a formula route, if you can't breastfeed or you choose not to, you still have to figure out how to feed your baby Yeah, around the clock and your, and your hormones are crazy and your body is just not, I recommend not looking at your body for a long time after you have a baby. <laughs> Don't look down there. <laughs> there is, um, in my bathroom, um, the toilet, <laughs> this is so much information. The yeah. toilet faces the, um, the shower and the shower has a mirror on it. And I'm like, that Ooh, is so rude. It. So like come into the bathroom, I like go to the bathroom. Everybody goes to the bathroom. So this shouldn't be a surprise. And I'm just like, doing my business, watching myself in a mirror. No, thanks. Like I'm, I'm naked and doing that. I, I, I have been, and it's yeah. not the best. And listen, I might have to move out of my house. Nothing is worse than visualizing yourself eating naked with a burger. <laughs> <laughs> All 100 million of my listeners are now thinking about that. It's like the worst visual to me. <laughs> <It's sad. laughs> oh my God. Maybe you're just really happy. I don't know. Now that's realness. If we can get Instagram to that level, then we've we've done something right. Oh no, we haven't. Oh God. That's actually terrifying. But my favorite account, I don't know if you follow her, but her, her handle is handle a thing. Anyways, her account is birds papaya. Okay. She's a mom of she had teenage, she has teenagers, but now she has a newborn and she posts pictures of like, she, I mean, she's like a model. She's beautiful, but her body is, um, changed a lot. And she posts like full pictures of like her stretch marks and like the roles that happen on your body and all mm. these things that happen that are, you know, for many women out of our control. And it's just such an inspiring account because like, I'm definitely not brave enough to do any of that. And I also feel like, I don't know, I don't, I was like, well, I don't know what wants to see me in my underwear, but um, maybe some people don't know. <laughs> um, well, they don't want to feel alone, right? Because we're all yeah. like, that's the thing. But I love her account because it's just really body positive for anybody, even if you're not a mom. And um, yeah, she just owns it. And I feel like I wish, like, I, I do wish I could get to that place where I just feel really confident in how I am right now. And I try to if I go down a rabbit hole of a little bit of like self-deprecation, I think like, well, this role is here because I built a human and this scar is here. I didn't have any stretch marks with Jack and I got him on this one. Also this pregnancy, I was on pelvic rest because my placenta was hanging nice and low for a long time. So I couldn't really exercise. So, and it was Christmas. So, you know, yeah, I gained and, um, my body just was so different this time. And I'm trying not to be is harsh on myself. So kind of tying in motherhood and social media, it's like, there is this kind of cool mom community on there, 
that kind of, I don't know, helps highlight um, how amazing our bodies are. Like this crazy thing that- Truly amazing. And yeah, and it's okay and it's temporary. And for some people it's not, they just look like that forever. And as long as you can just fully love yourself, I think that's um, her message, right? It's like, no matter where you are, if you want to lose weight, great. If you want to stay the same, great. Just love who you are and be really proud of what you did. Yeah. So if I anyone's like listening, your million followers, it's birds papaya. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. It's like so many followers. It's like crazy. Yeah. Like <laughs> they all like DM me and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm so busy for you. Um, that, yeah, I, that's, that's incredible. I like what you said about like, we built a human, like we are actual nature's yeah. machine robot things. It's really cool. It's really cool. It's fascinating. Well, Hey, listen, you're, you're a mommy. So you probably have some mommy things to do, which I want you to do because they're really cute. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just have a couple, what I'm calling hot tamale questions. Okay. So we're just going to get through those and then we're going to send you off hopefully a little tipsy with the wine situation. And then I'm probably going to text you afterward and be like, that was so much fun. Okay. Okay. I'm seeing the future. Okay. Numero uno, you're on the Bliss Smith podcast. So what does bliss mean to you? Bliss. I think it's when you can just shake off the bullshit and just be really happy presently. Don't think about the future. Don't think about the past. Be really grateful for where you are right now. That's blissful to me. Yes. Thank you. I like that one. Okay. How do you channel confidence? That's a tough one. Um, I think it does come down to age. A lot of it. I think when you hit a certain age, you just become more confident. Um, and also if you can just really get to the place where you genuinely don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about you, then confidence just sort of rolls off nice and easy. I know. I, I, I'm coaching 11 and 12 year old girls in softball right now. And I just wish so much for confidence for them. And I, yeah. And I mean, all the way up to like 20, 25 year olds that I work with same, it's just like, I wish same, but different, but I wish so much confidence for you because you are so Mm -hmm. amazing, but like no clue, no clue. Yeah. I think some of just age, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's why like, I celebrate so hard when people hit about 30, I'm like, just get ready, get ready for like loving thyself. Yeah. It's my suck. (laughs) They're pretty stinky. Yeah. Skin might be a little tighter, but like, I don't care. I have lots of really expensive lotions and potions that, and Botox. Let's be real. I'm going to be real. Okay. All right. Next. Um, when shit gets rough, What's the first thing you try to remember? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think I try to remember that's not going to be my last time. Like shit's going to get rough lots. Stephen Colbert had the best fucking quote. He was talking to Anderson Cooper when Anderson's dad passed away. And it's a great interview and you should look it up. It's, oh, he'll cry. Stephen Colbert said, life is not without suffering. And if you just have that mentality, you can really roll through just about anything. We are so lucky to be here. It's a miracle we're here. Life is short. And when you, when you realize that and you realize that 
all these beautiful things that come towards you. Um, don't, you know, obviously you can't take those for granted, but they're there because life is not without suffering. You got to have the good and the bad. It's just part of life. That so is fantastic. Stephen Colbert. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's such a good one. I was going to, um, add to that. Um, a, a few books have brought it up lately that I've read, um, untamed by Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. And then the four agreements, um, blanking on the author will update yeah. that, but, um, that to be human is to, to have some sort of suffering or imperfection. Yes. And it's like, wow, we forget that really quickly that like, Oh, it's not perfect shits and shambles. And it could yeah. be in shambles, but that's like the full expectation of being human. Yeah. It's going to be a rough season. The storm is going to pass. It's going to be fine. Yep. It's going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kept this one in here. I started it when I was talking to two folks that have a radio show, but like music's really fun. So what song do you play to jump into beast mode? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, I have a playlist. It's playlist. Oh, of course. Beast of course. mode playlist. Right. All right. So first of all, I love Mace. M-A dollar sign E. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to age us a whole lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> so any like Mace, like 2000s R&B will get me going. Some Sierra, some Missy. Oh my gosh. Gotta have some Missy. Yeah. That's why we're friends. Yeah. Let me work it. Right. Um, Bay <sighs> all day. Bay. Yeah. Um, some old Kanye, not new crazy Kanye. Sorry. Jay-Z all day. Um, but like my click that song. Oh, you're just like, Ooh, your face gets like, Ooh, yeah. 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 Any any of that. We are on the same page. page. If anybody was wondering my answers, just copy paste what Brittany said. Yeah. Um, okay. Last one is the number one way to take care of your mental health is your own. Admit you need help. Ooh. call someone have a buddy like if you're going through it if you're a new mom especially have a friend that you can say like before you give birth like hey I'm probably gonna call you or I'm gonna text you um or if you just yeah have a system be if so my kid's crying it's um, the best. well it's not the best that he's crying but it's the best that we can hear the kid because like that's the whole point of it's this. real life yeah I would say I mean, the old me would have never asked for help or never said that I was like feeling down or feeling blue or like, Hey, I'm depressed or whatever it is. Ask for it. Be honest, have, have a system in place with your partner, your family, build up those walls of support and, um, admit it, get help. Amazing. Wow. What a note, what a note to end on. Ooh, well, you are a fucking gem. You are too. And this is really good. Like I cannot wait to get this to the masses. So thank you so much. I loved every second of this and I appreciate you. And that's all. Be blissful. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Peace. Bliss. I try to say that my best happy voice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So much love. Miss you. Yes. Me too. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>